Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can also find my regular CBSSports.com column called Agents Take on Contract and Salary Cap Matters. Uh, this week we're going to discuss two things. One, how are players paid during the postseason and also the whole Deshaun Watson trade talk. So let's start with uh, playoff pay. Now, during the postseason, players are paid much differently than they are during the regular season. During the regular season, each player is essentially paid his base salary, one seventeenth um, each week. That's what he gets each week. So that means that players who are making league minimum as rookies are getting thirty-five thousand eight hundred eighty-two dollars. Per week, because the league uh, minimum salary is six hundred ten thousand dollars. All draft pick salaries are that. In the playoffs, at least in the first two rounds, players make less than that. For the wild card round, there's a split in how you're paid, whether you won your division or you didn't. If you participate in the wild card round, it's thirty thousand dollars for just a straight wild card team. Thirty three thousand dollars. If you are someone who won the division, um, the teams with a bye have traditionally, under old CBAs, not gotten paid for the week. Now, under this CBA, they get paid like the division winners. But for 2020, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the COVID-19 amendments, that money's not funded. For that be for Kansas City and for Green Bay, teams with two buys. They'll get that money. It's deferred until 2024, is my understanding. Now... Teams making $30,000 this week, Ravens, Browns, Colts, Bears, Buccaneers, Rams, $33,000 this week, Seahawks, Saints, Redskins, even though they have the worst record in the league, Titans, Steelers, Bills. Now, if you get past this round, next round, divisional playoffs, $32,000 for that game, conference championship. $59,000 for participating in the conference championship. Super Bowl, the winner gets $130,000. Losers get $65,000. So, the max a player can make during the playoffs if you come from a division winner and win the Super Bowl is $255,000. You win the Super Bowl as a wild card team, $250,000. Now, um, that means that a player like Russell, like Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Donald, those guys had the biggest base salaries this year. And Wilson's was $18 million, Tannehill $17.5, Donald $17 million. So Aaron Donald was making $1 million per week during the regular season. Today, as a wild card team, $30,000. Huge pay cut. Now, Russell Wilson making $1,058,824 per week. He's making the same thing as Geno Smith for this game. There's no distinction between starters and reserves. So that means <laughs> whether you, everyone on the team gets the same. So it's very socialized in that respect. Now, 
for, let's say, the Saints win the Super Bowl? Do you think Drew Brees is going to care about making $255,000? He wants to win the Super Bowl. That's what he cares about for his legacy. The money is secondary. Now, for someone who was undrafted this year, we'll say like um, Saints receiver Juwan Johnson, who was on the roster part of the season and practice squad part of the season. That money means a big deal to him. Obviously, he wants a ring, but he made during the regular season $345,176. $255,000 to him would be a big deal. Um, now, for and also during the playoffs, eligibility differs on the rounds. If you're on the 53-man roster or injured reserve at game time in the wild card and divisional playoff games, you get paid. Practice squad players don't get payout playoff money. They get paid their weekly salary during the playoffs. So that's for the uh, vets who wouldn't ordinarily be um, eligible for practice squad. But for the rule changes, that's $12,000. And for players who would typically be eligible for the practice squad, $8,400. It used to be that practice squad salaries were negotiable. Um, that's kind of that's changed under the CBA, so you don't have guys making the league minimum to be on a roster on the practice squad anymore. Now, uh, once you get past the uh, divisional playoffs, then it gets a lot more complicated on who gets paid and who doesn't get paid. For the conference championships and the Super Bowl, play, there's some players who get a full amount, some players get a half amount. Now, if you're on the 53M roster uh, when the game is played or had um, – been and, and been on that roster for at least pre, three previous games, regular season or playoff games, get a full amount. Veterans who are put on injury reserve during the regular seasons that are still under contract when the game is played get the full amount. Veterans are four more years of service they get put on injury reserve during the preseason that are still under contract when the game is played get the full amount. Players who aren't on the 53-man roster at game time that spent at least eight games on the roster, regular season or playoffs, provided they're not in contract to another team in the same conference, get the full amount. Now, there aren't a whole lot of those guys um, who are going to fit in that situation. Ted Ginn is one of those guys. Um, He was with the Bears for eight games. Bears, long shot to get to the conference championship. But because of that, and he's unsigned right now, he would get full amount. He'd get the same as Khalil Mack. If the Bears get the conference championship, he's getting $59,000. They somehow get to the Super Bowl. Win or lose, it's either he's getting one hundred dollars or $65,000. Now, you've got players who get half amount. Now, that is guys who are on the 50-man roster when the game is played that have been on the roster for less than three previous games, regular season or playoffs. First-year players put on injury reserve during the playoffs that are still under contract when the game is played and signed a player contract or practice squad contract in a prior season. Get a half amount. Players with uh, one to three years of service put on injury reserve during the preseason that are still under contract when the game is played, also a half amount. And players who aren't on the 53-man roster at game time that spent between three and seven games on the roster, that's regular season or playoffs, provided they're under contract to another team in the same conference, get a half amount. So a guy like uh, Damon Harrison can't double dip. Let's say Seattle gets to the conference championship or the Super Bowl. Because he's now a Green Bay Packer, 
he's not getting the Seattle money. He just gets throughout the playoffs, whatever happens to Green Bay. Green Bay's got the buy, so if seating holds up, he's going to be better off playoff money-wise than he would be for um, if he remained with Seattle. Now, there is a possibility to double dip and get paid by two teams during the playoffs. And I found this out uh, years ago, representing a player, David Gibson, who was a defensive back for Tampa Bay, um, back when um, they won the Super Bowl. David got traded after, I think, playing after week four uh, to the Colts. Colts make the playoffs, so David gets the money for being the Colts. Full share because he's with the Colts. He, was on the, he actually ended up starting at safety because of injuries. And then, because the Bucks won the Super Bowl and he hit the three through seven game requirement, he gets the half share. So he got to double dip. Now, there are a couple guys that could double dip this year. Luke Wilson's in an interesting case because uh, he could get two half shares. Uh, now, he played seven games in Seattle and he's now back on the practice squad. So that entitles him. This is a weird situation because he wouldn't otherwise be eligible for a practice squad. Now, the rules don't say anything about him being able to get practice squad money and the playoff share for those games. So I'd assume once you get to the conference championship, he's not getting his practice squad money. He's getting the higher amount, not both. But he was with the Ravens for three games. So he can get Ravens playoff money and also the half share once he gets conference championship for the um, Seahawks. He most, he's still on the contract. B.J. Finney. Another guy who gets a half share, Seahawks, if they get far enough, uh, was there for seven weeks, then gets traded to the Bengals. Other conference, AFC, NFC, qualifies for getting money for not being on the team. Uh, double dipper, potentially. Um, Jake Kumaro, he's now on the New Orleans Saints roster. They claimed him off waivers when he was released by the Bills. He was with the Bills practice squad, was up for six games. So, he can get half share from the Bills once they get the conference championship and also collect playoff money from the Saints. Now, one thing that the CBA doesn't address is whether you can get money from two teams in, that are playing the Super Bowl simultaneously. Since it doesn't say you can't, I'm assuming you can. So, let's say Kumaro gets to the Super Bowl with New Orleans and their opponent is the Bills. He's good, the way I'm reading it, he's good either way. Then for the Super Bowl game, let's say they win. He would get $130,000, and then he's getting $32,500 from the um, Bills for losing to them. So that's how I read it. That We'll see. That situation has never happened to my knowledge. So uh, playoff pay, much different than regular season pay. Everybody gets the same thing, and there are certain different um, requirements to get paid once you get past the uh, divisional playoff round. Okay, let's turn our attention to Deshaun Watson. Um, When Nick Casario was hired as Texans GM, Deshaun Watson tweeted, some things never change, and before deleting it, which prompted speculation that he was going to ask for a trade, and then that kind of has taken a life on its own. Uh, Casario has come out and said that Watson isn't going to be traded. Um, I thought 
when it first started and started gaining traction, that the whole thing on its face was absurd of trading Deshaun Watson. Let's see, guys, uh, franchise quarterback. Um, when was the last time a franchise quarterback signed a contract? Several months later, was traded. Watson signed a four-year contract extension for $156 million, averaging $39 million per year, making him the second-highest-paid player in the league behind um, Patrick Mahomes. And what do you do this year? Completion percentage, 70.2%, third in the league, led the league in passing yards, 4,823, second-best passer rating, 112.4. So I, I tweeted something to the effect that there's a better chance the Washington football team winning Super Bowl 55 than Deshaun Watson getting traded. And I still still feel that way. Now, there's um, another obstacle um, before you get to any cap implications about a Deshaun Watson trade. There is language in Deshaun Watson's contract which makes that more complicated. He has no trade clause. So, Deshaun Watson, when he negotiated his contract, so certain he wanted to be in Houston, he wanted to make sure they couldn't get rid of him if they wanted to. says, clubs shall not be permitted to trade players' contract to any other club in the NFL during the 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, or 25 NFL league years without players' prior written consent. Yes, he could waive the no-trade clause. The intention was that... Um, he wasn't going to be traded. Now, should the Texans have, uh, first they invited him in to solicit input and then kind of ignored him. And he has a, sport to understand, a bigger beef for the fact that he got a glowing recommendation from Patrick Mahomes on Eric Bieniemy, And Eric Bieniemy has not been interviewed uh, by the uh, Texans. Now, this kind of underscores the difference between how NFL teams and NBA teams work. And for an NBA team with your uh, best player, like a LeBron James, uh, have your franchise player, you make sure he is happy. You solicit his input on moves, and you don't do anything which is going to uh, alienate him. Now, we saw this offseason with... um. Giannis Antetokounmpo in um, Milwaukee. <laughs> All their moves were for an audience of one. Him. To make sure that he would sign the uh, extension to remain in Milwaukee. Uh, which he did. And what ignoring what a quarterback wants, a franchise quarterback, kind of seems like it's par for the course. Even though you shouldn't. Just look at what happened with Green Bay this year in the draft. Did Aaron Rodgers want them to take Jordan Love? No, he wanted receiver help. <laughs> so this kind of seems to happen in the NFL. But but uh, Cal McNair, uh, the owner, has some uh, mending offenses to do with um, Deshaun Watson. And Nick Casario's first um, act <laughs> is not going to want to be trading your franchise quarterback. <laughs> Those are rare commodities, few and far between hard to find. So you wouldn't get rid of him. Could Deshaun Watson force their hand and make it so they want to trade him? Yeah, possibly, but you don't give somebody a $27 million signing bonus and then go ahead and trade him um, before the next season starts. You did see that happen with Odell Beckham Jr. a couple of years ago. Giants signed to an extension. Then the next immediate offseason traded him to um, the Cleveland Browns, but 
there had been some issues there um, with Odell Beckham Jr.'s behavior, and New York's just kind of worn out as welcome. Uh, a little bit different situation, but he'd have to waive the no-trade clause. And no-trade clauses are not all that common in the NFL. You do have um, Drew Brees has one. Um, Tom Brady has one. Um, Russell Wilson has one. Um, Larry Fitzgerald has one, which allowed DeAndre Hopkins to get one. And when I was looking at who might have no-trade clauses, I was surprised to find another one. (laughs) A limited no-trade clause. Jimmy Garoppolo has a no-trade clause. In his contract, it's just for one year, though. It says, Clubs shall not be permitted to trade players' contract to any other club in the NFL during the 2021 NFL League year without players' prior written consent. So, so with all this trade speculation about Jimmy Garoppolo not being in San Francisco, well, if they want to trade him to New England, he's going to have to... uh, Waive the no trade clause. Now they could put it to this way to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm digressing for a second. If it got to this, you know what? <laughs> you don't want to get traded. We'll just cut you. So and maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he doesn't want to. Uh, wants to pick his own destination. But that's a whole different situation to keep an eye on. How would it work from a cap standpoint if you were to trade um, Deshaun Watson? Well. Um, the Texans, when you have their top 51 allocated, which is what salary cap accounting takes into account during the offseason, and once you have the carryover room of almost $9.2 million factored in, they have, 190, almost, they have a little over $190 million of uh, cap commitment. So you'd have $21.6 million in dead money from the signing bonus proration versus a 15.94 million cap hit. So given we don't know exactly where the cap's going to be, could be as low as 175 million, which is the salary cap floor the NFL and NFLPA agreed to, or might stay flat at, in a best-case scenario. Neither one of those would be ideal from a cap standpoint um, if you were talking about um, trading Deshaun Watson. Just because then that's 5.66 million that of an increase on the cap for the Texans because of his $15.94 million cap number. Then you got to go out and find a quarterback. That's not even getting to the standpoint that why would you get rid of a franchise quarterback, particularly one who is cost-contained. Now, if you were a team looking to acquire him, you'd be looking your, licking your chops just from a contractual standpoint uh, because there are five years left on um, his contract. They haven't even gotten into the new extension years um, for Deshaun Watson. So you got five years at $146.54 million on his contract. So that averages $28.29.308 million. The guarantees run through the 2022 season. That's $84.52 million. The cap number next year, if you, if you acquire him, the salary is 10.54, then it goes to 35, then to 37 the next year in 2020. I mean, guarantees run through 2023, I should say. Um, in 2023, then 32 million in 2024 and in 2025. That'd be great for you to uh, want to acquire. And the reason people talk about the trade is the Texans don't have any picks <laughs> this year. That um, their first and well, they do starting the third round, but their first two picks <laughs> belong to Miami because of the Larry Tunsil trade. Now, what type of trade compensation? 
would you be looking for? Should this thing continue to go sideways and Watson becomes further alienated? Well, you haven't seen a player of this magnitude be talked about in a trade. Now, I put out there that if I'm the Texans and we have to get to the point where we have to trade Deshaun Watson, I want five first-round picks, which is extremely high. Because I'm thinking along the lines of, yeah, this has got to be in the Herschel Walker territory. When that trade, which basically built the Dallas Cowboys, um, when Herschel Walker was traded from the uh, Cowboys to the uh, Minnesota Minnesota Vikings in 1989. <laughs> that That's what um, I would have been taught. That's, that's where the five first-round picks came from. Now, let's look at what happens in some of these big trades we've seen. Because a quarterback's more valuable than the other position, hands down in the NFL. You don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. Now, we've seen non-quarterbacks in the past couple of years go for at least two first-round picks. We had Jalen Ramsey, two first-round picks and a fourth. We had Laramie Tunsil essentially go for two first-round picks and a second. There are the players involved. There are players involved in the trade. And we had uh, Khalil Mack go for two firsts, the third, and a sixth. And then the um, there's also coming back a second and a, and a, uh, a fifth. So you've had, you're talking at least two first-round picks, another pick. For non-quarterbacks, so what would a quarterback go for? So I, if I don't want to trade a guy, <laughs> or if I'm trying to get a king's ransom, <laughs> I'm setting the bar at five first-round picks. Um, do I think that would happen? Probably not. But I did ask someone that I immensely respect through Twitter, reached out to him through Twitter on direct message, Joe Banner, smartest guy I ever dealt with when I was an agent from team standpoint who was the architect of the Eagles' uh, great run, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when they kept going to the uh, NFC Championship game and went to the Super Bowl, Howie Roseman's mentor. So I asked him about the compensation. I kind of posed him the question, it, it, would it be at least four, four first-round picks? And he uh, was in line with that in terms of, uh, of what he thought. He put, yeah or maybe two first and two quality proven young starters. So you're talking multiple first-round picks, obviously. Let's say by quality proven young starters, I'm taking that to mean your best two young starters who are potential all-pros for a quarterback. So he's kind of pegging it along the lines of four first-round picks, where I'm talking five would be the starting point for talking. But no matter what, uh, it would be a – trade of immense magnitude should it happen which I really don't think it will um, Texans are going to do everything they can at some point in the not too distant future I would think to uh, make sure that they're in the good graces of their uh, franchise quarterback so um, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's um, episode of Inside the Cap. Uh, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, um, C-O-R-R-Y, uh, J-O-E-L. And check out my cbssports.com column, Agents Take. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you back here next week, and goodbye.